0: Welcome to the Get a foot in the RPG Industry Door with Community Content Panel. My name is Michael O'Brien, and I'm a Vice President at Chaosium, which is the publishers of Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, and other games. And one of the hats I wear there is actually looking after our community content programs. And joining us on the panel today, we have Lisa Penrose, And we have M.T. Black. Lisa, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Lisa Penrose. I am a storyteller, host, and brand manager of DungeonMastersGuild.com, which is a platform where you can license and publish 5th edition D&D content.
2: And M.T. Hi there, I'm M.T. Black. I'm a freelance game designer. I mostly operate in the Dungeons & Dragons world, but I've, I've branched out into a few other things as well.
0: So I think we'll start the panel off by mentioning that there is a chat thread for the panel. I believe it's on Discord. And we will be over there, or at least some of us will be over there, if you have any questions to ask there on that panel. I was going to, like, point to the left or right where the chat is. But anyway, it's, it's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the best thing we need to start the panel off with is defining exactly what community content is and why it's a great way to get your foot into the industry door. Lisa, you're the brand manager of the biggest community content platform there is. Do you want to just tell people exactly what it's all about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at least for Dungeon Masters Guild, community content lets you take any intellectual property, as part, that is part of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and use that in adventures, supplements, additional core rules, um, at basically anything you want to create within Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you can do that and publish it as part of Dungeon Masters Guild. Um, there is like a certain like box and rules and guidelines that you have to follow. Uh, there are certain settings uh, that you your adventure or supplement needs to take place in, or it has to be setting neutral. Uh, but uh, if you're playing within that box it unlocks um, a whole set of existing 5th edition and previous edition D&D lore that you then get access to. Mm.
0: And we have a similar community content platform for Call of Cthulhu, it's called the Miskatonic Repository. We have one for uh, our RuneQuest RPG which is called the Johnstown Compendium and we have one for uh, our 7C game, which is called the Explorer Society. And uh, I believe there are there's probably about another dozen or so for other game systems uh, as well, and you can find them all on uh, RPG. The Dungeon Masters Guild was the first one, and I am going to shamelessly say that when Chaosium thought, hey, we're gonna get into this community content, we looked at how the DMs Guild did things, and our <laughs> guidelines and the way it operates is pretty much essentially essentially the same. So everything we talk about in this panel today will pretty much work across all of these different uh, community content platforms. Now, MT Black, this is where you got your start in the RP industry door. You got your foot in the door, didn't you? Can you tell us a bit about your journey?
2: Yeah, for sure. I... Um... I think, like many people, I've been playing D and D and other role-playing games for many, many years um, here in Sydney, where I'm based. Uh, probably didn't have as many opportunities as folk in the US do to, to probably meet other other creators or other dungeon masters. That happens a bit more in the US. Some some of us um, overseas are a little bit more isolated. But like a lot of people who are dungeon mastering, I was in game mastering. I was creating a lot of my own content and. You know, for many years, having a dream of, of uh, publishing uh, something in D anD D, but that that seemed too too uh, big a bridge to cross, really. Uh, then the Dungeon Masters Guild started up, and I was um yeah I was yeah I, I I was really delighted. I couldn't believe I could publish something officially and put the Dungeons and Dragons uh a stamp on it. Uh, that was really exciting. So I started in uh, very soon after the program kicked off. It was twenty sixteen. I, um, created my first few, uh, products. They weren't, you know, they weren't very exciting. I didn't have a lot of the skills back then, but it was, uh, it was exciting to actually be able to participate in the program and I enjoyed the, um, act of, I guess, self-publishing so much. I just kept doing that and doing that learning skills and building that up over, over time. And that's, um, four years later, that's become a, like really a good, uh, uh, second career for me. Um, I've, uh, Continued to publish a lot of material in the DMs Guild, uh, but I've also uh, had the chance to work with other companies as well, including uh, Wizards of the Coast on some of their official uh, titles. So that, that's that been a really exciting journey for me, but it's I, I can say without a doubt it would not have happened uh, without the DMs Guild and without the concept of, of uh, community uh, content creation.
0: Uh, and Lisa, the DMs Guild started in 2016 and... Four years later, um, I, I was looking there the other day, there's not hundreds of items on there. There's probably not even thousands of items. Would there be tens of thousands of items now?
1: Easily, there's so much content that goes up. Goodness, goodness like even like each day, uh, so many different mm-hmm. titles get published. It's really exciting.
0: And this is from creators all around the world, which is uh, another exciting aspect of it as mm-hmm. well. And I, th- I think as MT mentioned, I'm also in Australia as well. And when I began my RPD RPG <laughs> journey long, long ago, the way you get to communicate with uh, people on the other side of the world is you'd actually have to write a letter and you know, stick a stamp <laughs> and send it away. So... The opportunities are so, much, are so much bigger today. So the Miskatonic repository, our Call of yeah. Cthulhu community content site, it started about 18 months ago. And it, it certainly doesn't have tens of thousands of items in it as yet. But again, it's a site where content is being added every week by creators all over the world. And it gives people an opportunity to uh, share their creations with a very wide audience, because drive-through RPG is the biggest digital platform for sharing content uh, RPG content that you can find. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So uh, MT, mm-hmm. what was your, what was your first creation on, on the DMs Guild?
2: <laughs> it was a, um, I looked this up the other day. I, I put it up about um, three days after the DMs Guild started oh you and were really called, early adopted um, <laughs> oh i wanted to get going yeah i was chomping at the bit after many years of, of creative frustration but um it was called uh, uh uh fantastic feats and it was a book of feats and i uh, often told uh no exaggeration i i didn't really know how to edit a book i didn't know how to lay out a book and i didn't understand 5e feats uh very well at all either uh and it so the book didn't look great it the content wasn't great but um you know it was a it was a start and uh that's kind of how i've learned i've learned by doing and and, you know i kind of encourage people you know the biggest thing i think that stops folk creating is just the fear of it's not going to be good enough but uh you know when i look at some of the, the very primitive things i produced four years ago compared to where i've come uh over the last four years you've really just got to jump into the water and, and give it a go and, 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 and start creating. And, uh, you know, I've come a long way. <laughs> so,
0: so, Lisa, what resources are there to help people start this mm. journey? Because it can be a very daunting prospect to say, you know, I've nice. got some great ideas, I've written some mm. things down, I've got scribbled notes. What, what does the DMs Guild itself and the Miskatonic repository and Johnstown compendium, Mm -hmm. et cetera, what do they give you as a toolkit to help you begin this creative journey?
1: Well, I'd say there are sort of two different buckets of resources for Dungeon Masters Guild. And one of those are resources that Dungeon Masters Guild provides itself. So um, if you go onto dmsguild.com, there's like a, a sidebar that has filters that you can click on. And one of those categories is resources for DMG creators. If you are a beginner creator, you don't have an art budget to speak of, um, you're not even sure how to lay out an adventure, you're gonna find their uh, style guides that come from Wizards of the Coast directly, Mm -hmm. um, including um, style guides for the Forgotten Realms, specifically as a setting. And so little things like knowing that instead of a week, it's a 10 day, those sorts of things. Um, A Mm -hmm. template uh, to use uh, for an adventure. And also so many uh, art packs uh, provided Mm -hmm. by Wizards of the Coast. It's artwork pulled from earlier editions uh, D and D that you have uh, at your disposal—that um, is one bucket of resources. I'd say your other really, really big resource, though, and this is a big one for community content, is the DMs Guild community itself. If you go onto, there's an unofficial Discord group, there's an official Facebook group for creators, and on Twitter's there's hashtag DMs Guild, which is super, super active. Tho- mm-hmm. That community loves helping new creators, loves encouraging each other, mm-hmm. uh, and collaborating on projects. Mm-hmm. So if you're new and you just need someone to keep you accountable on a project, uh, mm-hmm. encourage you to hit that publish button, uh, or answer any questions that you have, I think the community is probably your biggest resource. hmm
0: um the same thing actually applies for uh chaosium's community content as well we also have user guidelines we have templates so you don't have to worry about how am i going to lay this out how's it going to look you can just download the template and put your text into Mm -hmm. it and it's going to come out looking looking really nice in fact i was i was very gratified the other day we had uh, a reviewer write about a recent product that came out, and they said, it's getting hard to tell the difference between an official Chaosium product and a Johnstown compendium product in terms of Mm. just the quality of the layout and the artwork and things like that. Mm. And that's a a very gratifying uh, thing for a creator, Mm. an independent creator, to to see that in a a review. Um, The other one that uh, we also have very similar are the art packs where... We provide uh, a whole lot of art from previous products and so on that you can mm. put into your uh, releases, and you get to use those royalty free or without any without any uh, other issues. There, we also have in ours. Uh, Call of Cthulhu is a game that's set in the real world, so mm. we've put some into in our guidelines. We've put some links to things. Uh, some real life libraries, like the New York libraries, Mm. and uh, I I can't remember the names exactly of them here, but they're in the guidelines. Mm. And they have a whole lot of copyright free and royalty free Mm. artwork and photographs. British Museum Mm. is one of them, actually. Mm. And they're great things that you can put in as well, and you don't have any issues about the use of those. Mm. And then the other great thing is, we do have creators that create art packs of their own too, don't we, That that you can use. And uh, that that's a great way. So, how have you used the community MT to 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 build your products? Yeah,
2: it's um as Lisa said, it's really the community is really important and has been um a, a really. Our enjoyable part of the journey is being part of the community and also really valuable in terms of learning skills. So when we first started off, we we didn't really have an easy way to find each other. We'd we'd all be kind of publishing and we're all in a silo. And then social media... groups just started naturally evolving and there and Lisas mentioned a few of those on um, on Facebook on Twitter and Discord it was quite big now as well and it really was the case um, early on of just starting to reach out to people you'd see someone's work that you like you try and find them on Facebook or on Twitter you'd um, start to talk to them and then if they like some of your work as well you you know you might uh, establish a bit of a friendship and you might decide to collaborate on a project as well. So probably the first year or the first, no, probably the first six, seven months I was doing just about everything solo and then I started to reach out to creators whose work I saw and I like and started to establish um, partnerships. And that's just really evolved um, over the last four years where I've met, you know, dozens, probably now a couple of hundred creators, you know, to varying degrees now on the uh, DMs Guild. I've chatted to a lot of folk and I've participated in some uh, absolutely fabulous collaborations. We just, even just this week, we put up a, uh, we released a book about a week ago, which uh, involved about a dozen people. We all collaborated together on Discord uh, producing that book. And and one of our collaborators was uh, Ed Greenwood, the uh, creator of the Forgotten Realms. That was, um, that was a lot of fun to work with him. Yeah, and, and and Ed was on the um, Discord chat with us, and it was it was interesting too. He he um he said at the end of it, he said I, I was he was amazed at how quickly the book came together. It was about came together in about three months. He just said, just the way the team worked and the use of technology allowed us to respond and resolve issues incredibly quickly, uh, and that allows to you know that that's a combination of both the so modern social media technology, and also finding new ways to work and having a large team, made a real impression uh, mm-hmm. on him. I thought that was a, I thought that was interesting. But but yeah, the community has been absolutely vital, as well as providing some really good friends. You know, some people who I talk to every day or two now. So it's uh, yeah, it's fabulous.
0: So Lisa, you you're the brand manager for the DMs Guild. So I guess it's it's your job to promote the brand and build those communities to, together has that has that process been is that is that accelerating in recent in recent years with the great success with fifth of fifth edition
1: I mean, I'd definitely say that the Dungeon Masters Guild community is increasingly enthusiastic, creative, and collaborative. And I've been with uh, the Guild for about two years now. Wow, time flies. Um, And I'd say over those two years, the guild has gotten more and more collaborative. I'm starting to mm. see in those like top products that like carousel on the website, mm. um, more and more of those are large collaborations between a dozen to 20 or even more creators. Wow. Um, and that's folks who are mm. maybe uh, writers all working on different encounters, mm. but also they're getting in people who specialize in editing, in layout, in mm. illustration. Mm. And these projects can start, start as like a single tweet, someone just putting out into Mm. the universe, wouldn't it be so cool to have an anthology Mm. about adventures that focus on this one very niche thing, and then it kind of Mm. snowballs, people get excited, they're retweeting it, they're joining Mm. in the conversation, and then all of a sudden you've got a new Discord or a new Slack group going Mm. where everyone's collaborating and making this thing come to fruition.
0: Oh that that that's wonderful we've noticed the same thing as 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 started to happen mm. with our community content as mm. well and we've we've started to have uh, people making those comments of hey, I just realized that if uh, I did this all by myself, if I'd had other people involved here mm. it would have happened a lot faster and maybe you know been a lot better in terms of <laughs> bringing certain strengths to it so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shamelessly say that the Miskatonic Repository, the Johnstown Compendium, we watch it, we're watching what the DMs Guild does and uh, we don't want to reinvent the wheel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really leading the way. Mm. Um, so what latitude do creators have for material that's in a community content release? Is there a, is there a quality issue
1: i would say um i mean we don't go through and like grade things on quality and and include or, or not include uh things mm. like um mt said gosh if you're worried about like something not being good enough you're first of all probably your biggest critic um mm. and, but secondly biggest goal for me with dungeon masters guild Mm. is trying to break down those barriers uh, to Mm -hmm. folks being able to publish content create content Mm. um and so i wouldn't say that there are quality barriers there um the limitations are going to be uh, versus the Open Gaming License where you can Mm. truly create like whatever the heck you want as long as you're only using um, an allowed section of Mm. D&D IP. Uh, You get access to all of D&D IP, but you have to create within the Forgotten Realms, Ravnica, Ravenloft, Eberron, and Theros. You're not allowed to use someone else's IP randomly inserted uh, Mm. into D&D and i mean there's other rules like you've got to have be allowed to use the artwork you're using those sorts of things um but that's really it in terms of limitations Mm
0: -hmm. well i mean there's very common sense rules about not Mm -hmm. using other people's violating other people's copyrights and trademarks and things i mean that that would apply whether you were doing community content or any publishing uh at all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we we have an interesting Mm -hmm. principle in uh, creating stuff for our Room Quest role-playing game. And that's set in the world mm-hmm. of Glorantha, which was created by Greg Stafford. And very, very early on in the piece, uh, this is a game that's been around since the uh, late 1970s, Greg Stafford uh, said, your Glorantha will vary, which means, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's what you do with the world could be different to what we have. Mm-hmm. So what we've mm-hmm. said is... What Chaosium publishes is the official canon for the world, and that's going to be in our official Mm. publications. Mm. And for us, canon only matters for official publications, for which... It's Mm -hmm. published by Chaosium and Mm -hmm. maybe we have licensees. For Johnstown compendium creations, we very, very clearly say that your Glorantha will vary. We have to stick Mm -hmm. to canon, but that's a restriction on our interpretations of Glorantha, not yours. Mm -hmm. Yours can vary as much or as little as you want for what you create. And then Mm -hmm. other than that, we basically say go knock Mm -hmm. yourselves out. And that mm, gives mm, people mm. a huge amount of freedom. Now they can mm. they can be as close to our canon as 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 you want, Mm-mm. but you don't have to necessarily follow that. Mm. And then yeah. and this this applies to all of uh, the community content sites. Mm. You're not allowed to have material that a reasonable person would consider, you know, libelous or defamatory mm-hmm. or racist mm-hmm. or homophobic or yeah. discriminatory, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, that's all just that's all just common sense. Can I
1: add one thing to that? Sure. Um, So that's the same with Dungeon Masters Guild, where it's like the official publications are canon, but you can really play with the world um, Mm. for community content. But the other thing with community content is once you publish something, Mm. it kind of becomes a part of this pool of Mm. property open to Mm. other community creators. Mm. So if one creator wants to make, I don't know, this like really powerful wizard NPC Mm. uh, named Mm. Joe, then other community Community creators mm. can take Joe and put them into their worlds mm. as well, mm. um, or their versions of these worlds.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the same applies for the other community content uh, programs mm. as well, because as I said, we, we looked at what the DMs <laughs> field did, and we've pretty much mm. covered it. So that's all incorporated in what's called the End User License Agreement, or uh, EULA, and that sort of spells out exactly how all mm. of that works. But... It's an important note to say that when you do your creation and you upload it to the community content mm. platform, it does not go to Watsy or Chaosium or whoever to be mm. uh, verified, checked, reviewed, edited or whatever. It it goes up there. If, if something gets flagged as problematic, it can be mm. then taken down, but there is not a hurdle from the publisher to say, whether something goes mm. up or not. So we are relying on the community to be doing the right thing in all mm. of these cases. And, you know, there are isolated, isolated instances where things may have to be taken down or, mm. or changed, but that's, I think, a very, very rare occurrence. Um, so MT, you started mm. with community content. Yeah. And that's how you got your foot in the, RP, in the door of the RPG <sighs> industry. Tell us a bit yeah. about where
2: that led. Uh, sorry, I just missed the last question.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, tell us where that eventually led.
2: Oh, yeah. So that, um, you know, that led on a led on a really exciting journey with a, a bunch of doors um, opening up. I, I was publishing a lot, which is um, which can be a helpful thing, I think, if you're trying to catch people's eyes. Um, you know, just to have a steady stream of of content. I think you know, someone might publish one great thing and then you never hear from them for two years and you're not sure was that 20 years of work or went into that publication, you know. So just to have things coming out, people put your name there and people see you and if they think, okay, you're putting out a quality of work, you can possibly, you know, you can probably hit a a deadline. Mm -hmm. Um, About a year after I'd started publishing, I was mostly focusing on adventures by this time. I was um, approached by Baldwin Games to write one of their adventures for um after uh, the upcoming gen con so that was really exciting for me i i've never been to gen con uh but i knew you know obviously it's a, it's a fairly legendary event so that was for their 50th anniversary so i um know, yeah, that was a that was actually a, a you know one of the first opportunities i guess that had opened up That really excited me and and um, i had a lot of fun Writing adventure for that. So, um, they,
0: so they saw you through the mm, skill. That's where you came. That's from. right. Yep.
2: Yeah, that's right. They were um, looking around for um, for creators. They had a couple of people on the team, and they said, "We need a, a third person to do for this trilogy." And one of the other creators said, oh, how about we check out uh, MT Black? I see his adventures published pretty often. I like them." And so that, so just through doing that, that door had opened up. That was, uh, that was pretty exciting and probably six or seven months after that, things got more exciting um, and it all happened quite quickly. I got, a, uh, I got an email um, from one of the Adventurers League uh, administrators, Adventurers League being the Organised Play Program, and once more they'd seen my material. They said, you know, we like it. You can obviously write adventures because you keep publishing them and people keep buying them. So would you like to write some adventures for us? And again, you know, I, I, I haven't been to America for, in terms of the D&D world. Um, I haven't gone to the conventions or rubbed shoulders with people in, um, in real life over there. This is all just through publishing on the platform. So that, that was uh, terrific. Uh, not long after that, I was invited by Chris Lindsay, who's the fellow who uh, the architect of the DM's Guild is, is the title he prefers, and he invited me to be uh, participate in the uh, DM's Guild Adept program, which is where they uh, give a, a small group of creators access to special resources and early access to the uh, hardcover books to create um, content for it, um, to create kind of like a premium line of content. And while I was still catching my breath from all these exciting things, um, one day in, um, uh, it must have been 2018, March 2018, I got an email from Adam Lee, who's one of the uh, our senior designers at Wizards of the Coast, asking me if I wanted to be one of the one of the writers on the book that turned into our uh, Descent into Avernus. Uh and that was that was um that yeah that astounded me. I I, I think I've told the story before, but I I was at work in the office and I read this email and I couldn't breathe. I got up and I was walking around the office barely able to speak, and I. I rang my wife up and and couldn't speak. I you know I went blah, blah. and she said, "What's happened? Have you lost your job?" Like I and it took me, it took me a couple of minutes to um, catch my breath. But it was uh, that was incredibly exciting for me. It was a dream I'd had when I was thirteen years old to write something official for Wizards of the Coast and oh, for Dungeons and Dragons. It was TSR back then, and um, that was you know that that was a, a really exciting time and uh, i've probably had six or seven contracts with uh with watsi since then working on a whole range of stuff that i've been able to do uh for them some of their charity modules a whole bunch of adventurers league stuff and some other stuff as well so and and that's all come just by me here in sydney sitting in front of the computer and um and uh publishing stuff at the dm skill so it's uh, so i'm a huge huge uh, fan
0: i think i think a very very exciting part of that for anyone that uh, all over the world is the fact that you said you did this from sydney australia and i think back to in the days mm. in the days past where you are a long way from anywhere how how you how you do that i um mm. i had some things published uh in the early 1990s and I had to do it from Melbourne, Australia, and it was very hard because, as I said, it involved putting <laughs> a stamp on, a, on an envelope. Mm. You're not there, you're not meeting people at the conventions yeah. and, and you've done this all through this platform, which I think is just shows that it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. It, it really
2: is. And one thing I, I've noticed over the years is when you talk to people who've been in the gaming industry, you know, pro game designers for a long time, the RPG industry, it it it... So many opportunities just seem to come from rubbing shoulders at conventions and or at our, our game stores and things like that. You know, whenever someone says, "Here's how I got into the gaming industry," it usually involved a bit of um, you know some personal friendships, the right place at the mm-hmm. right time, uh, and they, these create barriers for for people who are um, physically you know, not able to go to all the conventions and, and start to meet people and build relationships. And, and there are also other barriers as well for people who mightn't actually move in those circles very easily for whatever reason, you know, you might come from, a, from another culture or something like that, or you might, you know, you, you just might find that a hard circle to crack into. So uh, there, there's, a, there's a degree where this has been a... a, a I've seen this as a great leveller for folk yeah. who, are, who are not moving in certain so. mm-hmm.
1: Oh, um, I was just going to add that, yeah, I hear so many stories about how back in the day you kind of had to be like at the mm. bar after the convention, yeah. um, mm. having drinks with people and talking to the right folks. And I mean, all those barriers you mentioned, MT, but also a lot of mm. marginalized people um, and yeah. in young women, especially mm. Um, mm. that isn't like the safest or most comfortable environment to be in. Mm, And so I think just like the existence of the internet, first of all, um, and then communities Mm. like Dungeon Masters Guild, where you can kind of be an introvert behind a computer screen networking and making friends uh, by Mm. getting, jumping into conversations, or even just like jumping in and collaborating on a project with someone. Um, Mm. There's so many other ways now uh, that you can kind of get that foot in the door.
0: Yeah, it's Mm. wonderful. Um, I just wanted to 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 just go back about uh, the issue of quality and and for a moment, Mm. and that is, we had a number of people that have done releases on our platforms, Mm. and it's digital content. And what they've done is, they published something that people might have liked it or may, may not have, but they've come back and did an updated version of it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the great things about Mm. digital content. So uh, Mm. there was one particular release on the Johnstown compendium, and it was one of our uh, inaugural releases. So when we launched this um, Mm. about a year ago, it was up there on day one and it was 31 pages last Mm. week a updated edition of it was done and it's now 118 pages
3: <laughs> <long>. <laughs>
0: with new artwork and uh, they've sort of mm. updated the layout and everything else. Mm. And the really cool thing was if you were one of these mm. early adopters and bought this product initially, mm. you just got the 118 page version as an update because mm. that's how drive-through RPG works. Mm. And the original creator, he did the initial one just by himself this new one has, mm-hmm. I think, about five or six people listed in the credits. Mm-hmm. So they had someone else come in and help with the layout,
3: mm-hmm.
0: some new artists, some people redrew all the maps. And mm-hmm. I think that is mm-hmm. part of this creative journey as well, where you should not mm-hmm. you should be unafraid of putting something up that, you know, maybe mm-hmm. isn't as perfect as you mm-hmm. want it to be, because you have that great opportunity to redo it again and and again if need be. Which I think yeah, is an exciting part.
2: I I think so. I think that's so true. I think uh, part of it is recognizing this as a new medium and adopting new ways of uh, publishing that dynamic aspect of it. I've seen that play out many many times in really positive ways. Like um, one of a early adventure um. Um, this uh this might this anecdote might prove the old adage can you judge a book by the by its cover but the right. early releases was a little adventure and i called it um into the dragon's den and i had a fairly dud sort of a cover on it didn't look that good wasn't selling at all after um a few days people uh it wasn't being rated very well either it was kind of averaging about three stars out of five and i thought I just don't like this cover. I don't like the title. I I thought I'm taking this down and redoing it. And I really, I changed a couple of things, but I really only changed the cover and the title. I retitled it um, Tower of the Mad Mage, um, put a much better picture on the cover, re-released that and it, sold like um cupcakes, and it's one of my most popular adventures and bizarrely is much better rated like it's rated like five <laughs> um, and all that really changed was the cover but um i've had many i've had many experiences like that where this dynamic conversation happens with your audience mm-hmm. um, oh. adventure i wrote called um uh wizard in a bottle and i put it up and i thought it was good and someone who bought a lot of my stuff This conversation still immortalised on the DMs Guild. I really like this, but the last room is um, no good. It's too boring. And I said to him, oh, you know, where do you see the problems? And this person said, here's what I see the issue is. And I actually went and rewrote the last room based on that feedback that that happened in the chat and um, republished it uh, and to much better effect. And I've had many, um, many, many experiences like that where, uh even so far some people say here's some typos i found some people can be a bit negative about that stuff but some people like i found some typos and they do that in a positive spirit yep you fix them all up and that's that's great how it's all just so dynamic now
0: yeah so uh, lisa could you tell people about how how do you work out how to price what you're going to be putting up there and what are the different options that people creators can have
1: yeah, Well, I feel like a lot of people who are starting out um, will tend to price their work either free or more often pay what you want. I think pay what you want. What does I- that mean?
0: Can you explain what pay what you want means? Yeah.
1: So pay what you want. Uh, If someone wanted to go and just download this for $0, they could totally do that. They do have the opportunity to come back and pay for it after they've Uh, like read through it or they've run the adventure or at any time in the future. Um, I feel like a lot of times folks like just have no idea Uh, what to price their work at or they feel like, well, this is my first time. I don't know how Mm -hmm. this is going to be received. Um, And so they'll do pay what you want. And some folks just like that option. Um, Alternately, uh, you can set it uh, at any particular price. Um, A lot of the times I direct people actually to the Adventurers League section. Um, That's that official play uh, that uh, MT mentioned, especially if you're doing like one shots. Adventurers League really, because there's so many people people who are used to buying one-shots through Adventurers League, they kind of both set the standard for what Mm -hmm. people are looking to pay for a certain amount of Adventure Time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that the admins are constantly trying to, like, push that a little bit because they know they set that standard. Mm I would also just look at what other folks are pricing as well if it's a much larger supplement. I will say that um, with Pay What You Want – folks don't always remember to return uh, and pay for something. So Mm. something I've actually noticed a lot of creators doing uh, very recently, like maybe in the past Mm. year, is they will set a price but then they'll make their preview like fully Mm. available, like their whole Mm. product. Mm. Um, And uh, anecdotally, at least, I'm seeing Mm. creators say that that's actually producing better results for them. People will glance at the preview, see that this is something Mm. of value that they will enjoy, and then they will happily purchase it for the set price
0: oh that's yeah. that's clever
1: yeah
2: yeah
0: i'll make sure yeah, I. that's a, risk a tonic mm. repository people that one that's a that's a good mm-hmm. one so um yeah I,
2: okay sorry i back i backed that up yeah mob i just said i, I backed that up um what lisa said there we and that's something we've been doing lately with a lot of our products like the the one that i just mentioned before that we released last week with ed greenwood that's a uh, it's about 115 pages and a $15 PDF, and the the complete thing is available for preview. You can download all 115 pages. It's got a nice big preview st- or sample stamp, yep. you know, watermark through it. That's fine, but you can get a really good idea of what um, what it's like. And we've sold 500 copies in the last week. It doesn't, you know, we it certainly doesn't appear to be uh, negatively impacting sales. And we've got we've got some pretty good anecdotal evidence yep. that if uh, Yeah, people are seeing it, they can see it's what they want to buy and then if they're the sort of people who are going to buy something, they'll buy it
1: yeah I always encourage creators if they if they're asking me I encourage them to set a price Mm -hmm. Um, because you've spent time creating something Mm -hmm. you should value Mm -hmm. your time and talent Um, I'll also say if you set something uh, for Dungeon Masters Guild at least if you set something Mm -hmm. as free or pay what you want it does open you up Mm -hmm. to being able to be featured in our newsletter in like the little free section Um, but um, the rest of the newsletter is dedicated to to priced PDFs. And anytime we do um, a sale or put together a bundle of some sort, which can really help boost sales, I look exclusively at priced PDFs. So that's another reason uh, to, to value your work.
0: Mm-hmm. And we give very similar advice. And, um, and one thing I've told creators is, if you're expecting to make any sort of financial return from your product, mm. Don't have it as pay what you want because the price people mm. will typically pay is zero. So <laughs> you know, make it 99 cents. There are people that are not doing this with a motivation to make money. That's fine. You can price it free if 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 you wish. Now, can we just tell people how the breakdown of the, the the money that's made from a product comes? So if something sells for $10, how much does the creator get and where does the rest of the money go
1: on dungeon masters guild half of that so five dollars will go to the creator and then uh Oh, okay. It's ten dollars, so the math is easy. Uh, two dollars uh, will go to uh, Wizards of the Coast, or if you have like a Fantasy Grounds module, uh, they might get s- some of that two dollars as well. Um, and then three dollars goes to one bookshelf uh, for yep. for hosting uh, Dungeon Master skills.
0: That is exactly the same for uh, the Chaosium community content programs, mm-hmm. and I believe all the other ones as well. Mm-hmm. So essentially, mm-hmm. the creator gets fifty uh, percent. Mm-hmm of the, whatever you sell the product for, Mm. which is pretty good.
1: Uh, You can also, if you're uh, promoting uh, your product on like your website or blog or social Mm. media uh, for Dungeon Masters Guild, you can uh, become an affiliate and have like a little Mm. add on to the links that you're posting Mm -hmm. and that'll eke out another uh, 5% for you.
0: Mm. Yeah, they're called an affiliate link and you just sort of add it on mm. to the URL, don't you? It's like a, a, a mm. set of a, a set of numbers. Uh, the other interesting thing is that drive through RPG has metal rankings for the number of mm. sales, and mm. they go. Uh, I think copper's the lowest one. Is that like a hundred? Is that a mm. hundred? Fifty. Can't 50. Fifty. Let's let's ask MT because he knows all about these metal rankings. <laughs> he, he's had products go yeah. through
2: it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, copper is 50, silver is 100, electrum is 250, gold is 500, platinum is a thousand, mithril is 2500, and adamantine is 5000 products.
0: Adamantine, and uh, yes, <laughs> have have any DMs Guild products made it to adamantine? Do we know?
1: Quite a handful, well, quite a few. Uh, actually. Yeah, yes. Quite a few. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay, everyone, start doing the math in your head. Five thousand years <laughs> old. You can actually. Yeah. Wow. So I can well, say well, that well, for the Miskitoli... Michael. I'll, yeah.
2: Sorry, yeah. I was going to say um, we saw an extreme example of this just recently, which I've never seen before. Our Keith Baker, who some of our listeners uh, or viewers will know, was the guy who invented Eberron. He just released a big book that the community had been waiting for 10 years for, really. Okay. Um, you know, 230,000 words. It's, it's a wow. monster. It's a wonderful book. Uh, he priced the PDF at $30, uh, and it went to Adamantine in um, a little over a week. It sold 5,000 copies in a little over a week. Wow. Uh, now, that's exceptional. I've never seen that before, but, um, you know, yeah.
0: Well, um, I was I was going to say that we haven't had uh, anything in our platforms quite get up mm-hmm. to adamantine yet, but there. <laughs> no. But um, I've I've looked at some of these products that people have created, mm-hmm. and you can you can make a fairly handsome return mm-hmm. on on the work mm-hmm. that's done there. Now, you then, if you're if you're doing this as a collaborative process, you'll have to work mm-hmm. out how everybody involved. Uh, gets remunerated or so on, that's, that's entirely up to you because you are, in effect, the publisher of this work. The other thing that you can do, uh, certainly on our programs, and Lisa, you'll be able to tell us if it's on DMs Guild, mm. at the moment, for example, uh, there is the Cthulhu Mythos sale on Drive RPG mm. at the moment. And uh, it's 20% off Cthulhu Mythos stuff. Well, we sell a lot of those all of the products that are in the Miskatonic repository at the moment are eligible to be in that sale. So that's good because it gets in front of a lot of people. People see it as a great bargain and, mm. and things like that. As you are the publisher you can go into your publisher settings and opt in or out of sales and, mm. and, and so on and so mm. forth. Is, is the same thing on the DMs Guild like that? It
1: is uh, exactly the same. Um, I will say we have a great old one bundle. Uh, so ours okay. is ever so slightly <laughs> different uh, in language. Uh, and a lot of our sales, um, we will do uh, bundles where we're actually like curating titles mm. based on a certain theme and mm. deeply discounting um, a smaller group. Uh, of uh-huh. these themed titles.
0: And that's then up to the uh, creator, right? You can decide that where would be involved, yeah. Yes,
1: and actually for these deeply discounted bundles, um, there is a setting uh, that says that like, just always include me if you want to in these yep. bundles. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes uh, we will email the creator directly right. uh, just to ask if it's okay to include their title.
0: So our general advice is to people is to say, Include yourself in the sales because yeah. then you get in front of a lot of other people with newsletters and mail outs and mm-hmm. ads. And I'd, like
2: that. I'd endorse that. My long experience is it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Um, always worth it. I've, I've always done very well out of sales. Even if it's doing a really deep discount, like 80% or something, they're, um, they're well, well worth um, participating in.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that would, that's definitely our experience as mm. well we are shortly running out of time in our panel mt could you give some basic advice to mm. somebody who wants to make that first step what would you tell somebody who has maybe been playing D for a while and has got mm. a whole lot of scribbled notes there that mm. they want to turn into something what is the absolute next step they should take here
2: Yep, this is, um, I've got a couple of bits of advice that I give to um, uh, give out all the time. This is a little bit tailored towards adventure creation, but I think that's fine. Uh, the first bit of advice is to get familiar with the style guide, which is published on the um, DMs Guild. Uh, it might sound a bit prosaic, but it's actually really important. and will make your writing look so much more professional It follows the style guide. I um, suggest to people in terms of um, adventures that you read a lot of other adventures, probably applies to everything. Actually, actually, read the classics, read adventures that are well reviewed. Um, you know, if, if you want to write a novel, you read other novels. Uh, if you want to write content for D&D or for Call of Clue, read other material. Uh, the third thing I suggest to people is that they uh, use tools to make their life easier. And by tools, I mean things like... Um, it might be, uh, uh, for example, the templates is an example of the tool, but there's also a, a lot of tools that have been published, like a, a, something, a, something called the Tome of Adventure Design, that's um, just hundreds of pages of reference tables that I use all the time when I'm creating. Don't just sit there and think I've got to create all this in my head. Look around and see what there is out there to help you create. Uh, and the fourth thing I really recommend now everyone does is that our uh, our friend um, Ashley Warren uh, runs a course now called the RPG Writers Workshop. That had how many did people did it this year, Lisa? Do you remember? Was it like like hundreds of people?
1: people? So oh, many thousands. people. thousands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's oh, yeah. really blown. it's like ex- exponentially growing mm-hmm. every workshop. <laughs> it's and amazing. That yeah, no, it was
0: literally designed the for your first adventure, isn't it? I think that's the the pitch
1: for that to say help you design your first adventure. Mm. Yeah, yeah that, that was the theme yeah. for this summer workshop. Uh, Dungeon Masters Guild also, we sponsor RPG Writer Workshops. So there's a DMs mm. Guild dedicated track. Um, and at the end of that, everyone who's completed the course and published their adventure on DMs Guild, we actually help promote all of those as well. Oh, it's great. Um, it's kind of, mm. Like a nice boost.
0: We um, yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at doing something mm. very similar. Uh, an interesting thing we did last year is we worked with some university students as part of their university course to publish a call of Cthulhu adventure. So they took it from initial creation all the way through to publication as part of a course for credit at their university. Mm. And we were very excited because it won an Ennies Judges Spotlight Award this year as well. <laughs> it's called uh, Refractions of Glaston and it's available mm. on uh, the Miskatonic repository. And we're looking at some ideas for that about how we could you know, work with other uh, mm. university courses and so on as well. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of great ways that you can take those. Take those first steps. Lisa, is there anything else you'd like to uh, suggest to someone who wants to take that first step?
1: Um, Well, MT listed a bunch of really great advice. Second RPG Writers Workshop. Um, I'd say one of the hardest things is really just, like, getting to the point where you can hit that publish button. So I would say (laughs) limiting the scope of that first thing Mm. that you want to publish. A lot of folks have Mm. that, like, big campaign. They've always been dreaming up. But maybe start with Mm. um, a one-shot that Mm. kind of, could eventually become a series of one shots uh, and you could write your campaign that way or maybe even start with just an encounter um, if you go to the Facebook group for creators Dungeon Masters Guild creator Facebook group um, or you get involved in the community uh, on Twitter with hashtag DMs Guild people are constantly using that hashtag or posting about big group mm. projects they're doing so you could start off writing a single encounter or a magic item or a handful of spells how many easier does that sound um yeah. and once you get your first thing published um, um i think it becomes easier and easier uh yeah. you kind of it's uh like catch that um yeah. you get a taste of yeah. of publishing <laughs> and uh next thing you know you're empty black i guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and, and i would just add <laughs> add to all of that advice the revelation that the idea is you can actually write something and publish it And then you can come back to it later and do a new edition Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I'm going to do a new edition of that. And you know what? The people Mm. that first bought that, they're going to be really excited about that. They're going to say, that's fantastic. Mm. We saw that uh, this very week with um, one of the things we just released on the Johnstown compendium thing I talked about, but the initial one was 31 pages. It's now 118 pages. And Mm. you know, you think, If the person had in their head, oh, I'm going to do this magnum opus, Mm. it may not have ever got done because it might just be too big. So yeah, taking those first steps are really important. So we are just about out of time. We hope that everyone has found this to be a uh, useful discussion. We've given you some uh, places you can go and look at in terms of taking things forward in the different community content platforms. I'm sure we're gonna put them in like the links below or at the side or wherever <laughs> they are when this, is, uh, when this is put up. We'll also have the uh, contact details so you can get in touch with us if you have any things you'd like to ask.
1: Well, if you want to follow Dungeon Masters Guild on social media, we have a Facebook page, a Facebook group. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at DMs, DMS underscore guild. Um, and uh, if you are enjoying uh, your PAX online and are con- going to continue enjoying it this weekend, <laughs> uh, Saturday at 1130 a.m. Pacific time, I will be on PAX 3 uh, with a panel called the ABCs of community building. Hope to see you there.
0: Cool. Okay. Um. I would very much like to thank Lisa and MT for joining us today in this panel. We hope that it's been really useful to everybody and we're looking forward to seeing your creations up there on community content.
3: Hey, everybody. Before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying the podcast from our interviews and actual plays to our rambling roundtable discussions. If you like what you're here and you'd like to support the show, we have great sponsors for you to check out. Birds of a Feather Coffee Company is a small batch craft coffee roaster and is our OG sponsor. They have three signature blends to choose from. The Morning Lark, which is a light roast. The Night Owl Blend, which is a rich dark roast. And the Hummingbird Decaf Blend. They also have the exclusive Legendary Brew, a nice medium roast coffee, perfect fuel for all those late-night gaming sessions. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you'll get 10% off your order, and shipping is always free. Thanks, everybody, for checking it out. We'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.